accelerated into the right three and away we went <laughs> rally is exciting and 110 through the woods is exciting but doing it with deer in your path that's a whole another level <laughs> welcome to the open paddock rally cast and this is a long overdue episode we're remembering the big man himself al dante's jr al was the outspoken embodiment of our shared passion for rally and the rally community we chatted with bryce proceus and shanti witt about co-driving for al and fellow competitors Ryan and Heather George about their experiences competing with him. So grab a cold one and maybe some Kleenex as we chat at the Virtual Rally Pub about what made Al so special. Before we get going, I just wanted to uh, chat just a bit about me, Mike Shaw. I'm the host of the Rallycast, if you didn't know already. I had reached out to Bryce, Shanti, and the Georges about a year ago to record this way back then. And I don't know, I guess it was just coming back from LSPR, you know, there was all this shared passion for Al and all that stuff. And I think I was just kind of on autopilot for a while trying to keep this podcasting going. And I just didn't realize how much Al's passing had really affected me. And it wasn't just Al, uh, but Al's passing, I think, was a bit of a trigger. Um... I suddenly felt very tired, was losing uh, some of my motivation. I've never really been diagnosed officially with depression, but the signs obviously were all there. Um, my original plan was to get this posted back before Christmas of last year, but then I kept finding excuses not to do uh, the editing, and yeah, sure, work has been busier than ever, um, but it was easy just to make that excuse that, well, you know, I just don't have the time. Uh, you know, I need two to three hours to probably sit down and edit through all these uh, interviews. And, and yeah, the total time it takes to edit these is quite long. But at the same time, I could have broken that up into, you know, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, into segments that I can, you know, at least bite-size to, to do that. And, um, you know, that's just all part of managing time, right? But I kept finding excuses. And yeah, I just didn't want to pull up the files and, and sit and listen to them. Um, as time went by, I felt more and more guilty having not touched the files. And I felt like I wasted everyone's time. And that made me even more depressed and upset with myself. And really, it took me nine months before I committed to bringing the podcast back again. And one thing I must say... Uh, I forgot just how motivating to talking to all of you in the rally community is. As I edited these interviews specifically and reheard the stories about Al, it brought so much joy to my heart. Um, you know, I went from this being work of editing these podcasts to being therapy. And really, that's what it is. We have this shared community here, and it's just something so special. Um, for those of you that never knew Al, well, I hope these stories will fill you in about a man who lived his life to the fullest and made sure that those around him did the same. So, without further ado, we're starting off with Bryce Proceus, and then we'll get to Shanti, and then over to the Georges. And we're back, and this is our Al Dante's Memorial episode, and uh, this might end up being multiple episodes, because uh, we've got a lot of people uh, to talk to, to share stories about our good friend that has 
unfortunately no longer with us. But to start things off, um, and I think it's pretty fitting because someone that was very close to Al and close to all of us and, and, and seems to have some of the same uh, fun personality traits is Bryce Procius. Bryce, it's good to have you, man. Thanks, Mike. It's uh, good to be back on the podcast. And uh, yeah, love talking about Al. So, um, Al, <laughs> what a character. <laughs> I, I've got to first start out with just how did you meet Al? Because everybody seems to have a <laughs> how I met Al story. And I, I'm sure yours is entertaining as many others are. Yeah, I think mine is a, a special flavor of weird, though. So um, if you listen to my earlier Rallycast episode this spring, where I was talking about how I got into rallying in the first place, we had a just a terrible, terrible time trying to get a, my uh, get the car put together for LSPR in 2016 with Adam Van Dam. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I'll just might start that section over again. Um, That's fine. <clears throat> something stuck in the back of my throat there. <coughs> Brenda brewed my tea a little too strong. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's another thing is, you know, you and I both uh, made tea. It's cold out, so I want mm-hmm. a tea, but Al would probably make fun of me for not grabbing a beer, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so my first time meeting. Call me a pansy. <laughs> my first time meeting Al, it was uh, right after LSPR 2016. And Adam Van Dam and I had just had a absolute heck of a time trying to get the car going. We ended up rebuilding a motor the night before when we were supposed to be doing recce. And the whole event, I was just, you know, on edge thinking that this motor is just going to let go. And we finally made it to the finish. I was stoked beyond belief. So we went to the Continental Fire Co. for the after party. And uh, I may have had one or two too many drinks that night. And uh, Adam's like, all right, we're going to Al's house. I was like, who's Al? So we get to Al's house. I pass out in his basement. Never even meet the guy. Just go straight to the basement, pass out in the dark. <laughs> Wake up the next morning, and I am just uh, the most hungover I've ever been in my life. Well, so then, obviously, I'm worshiping the porcelain throne a couple times, and then I finally make my way out into the backyard at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And everyone's kind of standing around, just, you know, chuckling chatting and I walk out just very very quiet as most hungover people are and I walk over and I was like hey how's it going and I'm like it's going about 30 seconds later I had to run behind his travel trailer and puke my guts out again in his yard and uh, a few years later I was standing there at somewhere else where you know we were all at an event together and Al's telling the story when he first met me he's like yeah and then this kid just walked out of my basement he looked at me kind of funny and he was real quiet and he's like at first i thought he didn't like me very much (laughs) so yeah um my first time meeting al was puking in his yard what what, did he seem that ugly you had to puke your guts out yeah (laughs) (laughs) no al is a beautiful man yes indeed yes (laughs) So you obviously got to got to know him pretty well and uh, well enough that mm-hmm. you actually got to co-drive for him back in 2011. Yeah. So or 2021. I mean, sorry. We're, yeah. Numbers are hard. Twenty numbers are hard. 2021. Up to this point, I had chatted with Al more than once about co-driving for him, and I had always kind of like tossed it around in the back of my head. I was like, yeah, you know, 
it'd be really fun to ride along in Racine. Well, finally just committed to it. And I said, all right, you doing snowdrift this year? And he's like, yep, it's my first time ever doing snowdrift. I was like, what? Seriously? And he's like, yep, it's always interfered with something else that's going on. He's like, so. That shocks me too. I didn't know that. Wow. It was his first time ever racing a snowdrift. So he he had this uh, this very... I don't know, dedicated mindset of the tire contingency program from Cooper Tires. Yes. And uh, that was that was one of Al's tricks up his sleeve of how he was able to sustainably race so much was he always ran Cooper Tires because they had the contingency and he just kept getting free tires from them. And that was how he yep. was able to... And you to... had to do so many social media posts and things like that with that, right? Yep. Well, he was an just absolute machine with his social media posts. You, you never missed a beat. Every single one he mentioned Cooper Tires, Cooper Tires, Cooper Tires. Well, he picked out a tire from Cooper as to meet the contingency for this event. And, well, turns out they make, like, snow tires for, like, different, you know, maybe temperature ranges or season or not seasons, but, like, snow tires for different areas. And uh, these were ones that were for maybe people in an area that didn't get a whole lot of snow so they had a really high tread wear and they did not grip very well on ice well and as we know snow drift is most often ice drift <laughs> yeah his his tire choice ended up proving to be like yakety sacks level hysterical but we go out to do recce he opens up the back door of his truck and he says hey you want a gogurt and i was like uh, I mean, sure, yeah. You know, I'll do a yogurt. And he hands me a blue Sour Patch Kids gogurt, which I had no idea existed. Turns out it was absolutely fantastic. Um, but that started a trend of me having to explore every single weird flavor of gogurt that they make. And uh, it's become my go to rally breakfast. But that all started with Al. We get out there, start wrecking. And he's in his older, well, what a lot of people wouldn't know him for, his enormous white pickup truck that was just lifted to high heaven. And, well, with all that lift kit, you uh, you have to modify a few things on the axles. Yeah, your sight line's not really the same as what you'd be in Rex. Well, that, but more <laughs> modify some things in the truck to accommodate the lift one of those things is he had to have spacers for his front axle stubs oh gotcha while we were in the middle of recce one of those decided to disassemble itself on a big downhill and so while we we're just like kind of like slow rolling down this downhill one of these axles just falls out and we have no way to collect all the bolts or anything else in a typical owl fashion we took two bolts and was able to get it enough in place that if it swiveled around a little bit, it would kind of self-center and just drove it back for 40 miles back to where we were staying in Atlanta with like two bolts holding the axle in place. Wow. He didn't ever let anything like deter him. He's just, all right, well, we're going to do this now. He was never dissuaded by any like, difficult situation he just kept on pushing i saw him fix his rally car with like bailing wire 
Uh, I saw him build a shifter out of a paint roller handle. Like he's he just like he took whatever he had and made it work, and that's why he had like just a an enormous record of uninterrupted just finish after finish after finish. He always pushed to make sure you made it to the finish. You know, that almost reminds me of like my grandfather and from that other generation where they you know, they they could make and craft the you know, just about anything from stuff on hand, right? Mm-hmm. He definitely comes kind of from that old old world view of uh make do with what you got. Yeah, well it's a I think it's a combination of things in Al's case. He uh I mean he's a youper. Born and raised. Through and through. <laughs> through and through. He doesn't get much more youper than Al. And often in the UP, you just make do with what you got. You don't always get the most ideal tool for the job or part or whatever. You you figure it out. The other aspect of it was that he was a tool and die machinist. So he uh, he knew a little bit more than your average bear on how to make stuff fit together and make it work. Yeah, yeah. useful. Yes, useful knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so, how did the event, from a racing standpoint, go? It was the slowest event that Al ever drove. <laughs> we finished second to last, and uh, we we got stuck in a snowbank twice. It was the most fun I've ever had. It was just he'd put it into like third or fourth gear, just rolling along into like an idle just start to give it this like 5% throttle and all of a sudden you'd see the speedo hit like 100 miles an hour and our real actual speed is like 15 that's how how little grip that we had at that event and uh there was one there's one section of stage that's uh pretty well known for anyone who's competed at snowdrift it's uh, you you make a sharp left hand turn at an intersection Kind of go up this long winding hill, and then it's a series of like fifteen or eighteen crests in a row. Um, I call it Crest City. Well, that big long hill that you get up to the start of those crests, Rexine didn't want to climb it. That was one of the places that we got stuck, and uh, I fell down that hill trying to hold out a toe strap in the front of Rexine. I fell in front of the car like eight times trying to get it like hooked up to somebody else finally got in and i like bruised knees and elbows and al just kept like laughing he was like come on hook it up hook it up i was like learn to drive better he's like it ain't my fault he was bickering around the car well i wish i had taken more opportunities to co-drive for him but the one event that i did with him is certainly certainly one of the most memorable rallies I've ever done. You got the full Al experience for sure. Mm-hmm. You know? Now one thing I've heard is that uh, Al has a very diverse taste in music. <laughs> Having done Recce with him I, I'm sure in transits or whatever uh, th- that, that's come out. It's a uh, like <clears throat> select all um, for every genre every artist. You never know what you're going to get. Like you might have like Travis Tritt or you know John Party, and then the next song is going to be Celine Dion, and then after that it's going to be Cher, and then it's going to be like you know Twisted Sister or something. It's like you never know. My favorite though was whenever just like 
you know, some old late 80s, early 90s rap would come up on the channel. And you're just like, who is this man? Like, like really listening to like some old, like old dirty bastard and stuff like that. Like, you know, notorious big is, you know, you just picture just sitting there not having any clue what is going to come on next, but you always know it's going to bring a smile to your face. And I think that was the like secret to Al's playlist was that like, I was just going to say that. Yeah. It's, it wasn't about like necessarily having a specific taste in music. It was just like whatever made him smile. And that's perfect. What a fun guy. One thing that I remember a lot about Al is just his general just kind of influence that does constant positivity, the, the press on regardless that he epitomized. What was, I guess, that influence like for you? Does, uh, does Al's outlook on uh, how he rallied um, as well as his outlook on life influence you a bit? Uh, I think that is an understatement for sure. So Al was Finnish. And uh, you may know where I'm going with this. So there's a word in the Finnish language that doesn't translate to English, but it's sisu. And I first heard the word sisu from Al making a sort of a meme like championship or like challenge thing for two wheel drive competitors. And he was like, it's going to call it the two wheel drive sisu challenge. Okay. What's Sisu? And he's like, What's Sisu? And then he just sends me an article on it. <laughs> he didn't want to sit there and explain it to me. Sisu is the strength to face a challenge that seems impossible, mm-hmm. despite all odds. Any person with common sense and sanity would back down and walk away. But when courage is run out, your guts and determination have given up. Sisu is what keeps you going. It's a strength that continues to summon courage when courage is gone. And you would think like with a, you know, such a, a concept like that, that you'd think it'd be like stoic and like kind of somber. Al always talked about Sisu with a big old smile on his face. And after Al passed, I knew that I had to memorialize that just for myself in some way that, uh, you know, this, who's made such an impact on my life because like we talk about the rally family i think of the rally family for me like my local michigan rally family is the, the one that i would call like the rally dad of this group was al so you know for someone who is so important in my in my life in that way i decided that i wanted to commemorate him with the, the word sisu on my as a tattoo on my left wrist and it's just a reminder every day of like the strength that that man had. He didn't grow up with an easy life. Um, there's lots of people who can tell you all sorts of things about um, difficulties that Al faced growing up. And he just never, ever let it pull him down. He never saw Al like just ready to give up. You know, He, he never was one to give up. He definitely had his days where he wasn't you know his normal self he wasn't always all always cheerful but he never ever gave up and on after his dark days you know the smile was just around the corner he he just exemplified strength to me 
I think. His attention and effort and intention as well with how he communicated with everybody was just unbelievable. He never, ever thought that Al had forgotten about you because he just made a point to always just continuously, consistently reach out, touch base, send you something stupid. He just... <laughs> yeah, and also his... How he always went out of his way to help others. Always, yeah. I think at the time that... You know, just a perfect example of it. The Van Dams had a pretty bad storm hit their farm. And uh, it hit the whole UP. I mean, it, it, it hurt everybody out there. It tore the roof off the barn for one of the barns. And uh, the very next day, Al's truck rolls up the driveway to start helping the Van Dams fix their barn. Like, he didn't have to do that. He had his own stuff to go clean up and take care of. But he brought his girls down and he's showing them the Dauntless Wave. This is how we take care of our family. Just start pulling boards apart and uh, pulling nails out, and right, we're gonna we're gonna help these people. This is an extension of our family. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's definitely Al, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was uh, some of your favorite uh, Al mannerisms or uh, a favorite Al quote? <laughs> uh, he always said, "Don't lift until you see Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and uh, if you look at any of the videos of him in the car or outside the car, he kind of lived by it. Rexine loved to hang out around that rev limiter. There was a there was an instance though where Al would uh, actually learn to lift, and I was jumping the car. So I don't know if uh, you ever personally got a up close look at Rexine. Specifically the hood and how the hood aligned with the fenders. <laughs> well, Al may have jumped Rexine pretty hard a couple of times. And uh, front strut towers moved closer to each other by about three quarters of an inch on each side. And uh, rather than try and straighten the shell back out, Al's like, all right, we're just not going to jump the car anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a guy. Now, mm-hmm. you're doing a special project to am. help with uh, Al's kids. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that? So anybody who has lost somebody very close to them, a sibling, a parent, grandparents, friend, knows that um, the most difficult time of the year is the holidays. And, you know, you would be spending time with that person. And there's so many rich, deep memories with that person. And suddenly they're not there. And my heart just continually goes out to the girls because like, he was such a, a wonderful role model for them and wonderful father. And uh, this is going to be their first year having to do it without him. So what I decided to do was uh, organize a kind of a gift drive from all of the Raleigh family. Uh, and that is everyone who competes in Mali in North America is welcome to participate. And uh, we're getting some shirts to the girls. Um, if you have T-shirts, if you have merch, stickers, hats, whatever you want to send, just a big love basket and a big hug from everyone who races and would have called Al to friend because 
basically, from my perspective, that's the best way that we can remind them of the family that Al helped build for them, of that we're still here. The girls are always still welcome to come to races. As soon as they're old enough to drive, a bunch of people here want to teach them. This, this rally family is not going away. And, uh, and we share in the pain of their loss. And we share in the love that we had for him. So if you want to reach out and send some merch, if you want to send anything, we've got people that are just sending gift cards. You just want to make this Christmas a little bit extra extra special in whatever way we can because uh, I think in a lot of ways it'll probably suck. If we can bring just a little bit of joy there, I think that's worth it. That's just such a good idea. And I think the, you know, especially with all the different places that Al did touch, you know, <laughs> near and far, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what kind of things show up, you know, from all over. Um, <laughs> I'm sure some folks way out here on the West Coast will be sending stuff. And I, I hope that oh. you know, shows those girls that Al, Al's reach was long and wide. And yeah. He, he had that spirit that uh, we all cherish. And I think that's just such a good thing that you're uh, putting together there for them. And that, yeah, you know, being part of this rally family is, is what helps us all, you know, cope with this. Yeah. The pain's never going to be gone, but it helps. Nope. It helps. I'm not sure if I said on the, on a previous podcast or not. I know I said pe- to people directly is that, you know, I couldn't have gotten through that weekend without all the outpouring I saw from everybody there. And, yeah. you know, because I got to do this live show thing and all that stuff. And the fact that it, it lifted me back up as painful mm-hmm. as it was, a shock I was still in, all the things, I could get through that process so much faster. I, I don't know if easier is the right word. That sounds shallow. But because I had that whole rally community support. Yeah helps so much and i hope that as a community yeah that helps that helps his girls yeah so agreed thank you for putting that together and uh and of course folks reach out to you for that right correct yeah just shoot me a message directly through facebook it's the easiest way to contact me and uh, yeah i'll get you set up i have all the girls clothing sizes um if you want you know specific clothing sizes um and then i'm collecting everything directly and then i'm entering bringing it up there myself so um if you have anything that you want to leave a little note uh, a memory if you have of time spent with al just anything to just remind them of the love that al brought to all of us and that we want to bring back to them that is all more than welcome so thank you bryce so much for uh sharing your memories uh any anything mm-hmm. any other things you want to share about uh your experiences with al before we let you go um, my favorite random thing about Al was his Snapchat. Do you think this like hardened Uber tool and die machinist builds rally cars and goes racing in the woods and all this stuff is just going to be like kind of a, you know, rough and tough, what have you, uh, on his social media presence until you look at his Snapchat and his posting stories wearing the like, fuzzy bear ears and like blushing hearts on his cheeks and like like all of these like high school girl filters <laughs> like I'm not, I'm sorry the yeah. vision <laughs> I'm so glad that I screenshotted some of those 
because yes, nobody nobody would believe me. If right, you just told oh them. Oh my gosh! It's like, oh yeah, this that's Al. Mm. <laughs> no, this this is his. This is how he conducts himself on Snapchat, and it's like, wow. Probably my favorite snap that I ever got from Al. It was just a picture of uh, him. Well, not picture of him, but from his perspective, sitting on his lawnmower, holding the steering wheel, and the caption just says, F it, off to the bar. (laughs) 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 And and you don't know anything Uh, else? Like, did the lawnmower break down? Is he, like, done for the day? No, just... Is he, is he going to ride the mower to the, to the hey, bar? Is he going like, to ride it to the bar? Right, yeah. exactly. No context, just <laughs> F it. Off to the bar. Oh, God, I'm going to miss that, man. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, if you go onto Facebook and you look at Al's current Facebook profile picture, it's like serious, somber looking, like kind of moody, emo looking picture. Click on it and then scroll down the comments because uh, in the comments I saved the screenshot of the snap that he sent me. Oh, that's brilliant. The uh, the profile picture is cropped and it doesn't have the caption in it. The caption on that Snapchat is brush your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Just this gem of a man. I'm going to miss him so much. Thank you for making me uh, laugh at the end there. Because uh, mm-hmm. I think that's how Al would love it too. Because <laughs> that man, he, he, infectious smile and laugh. And I'm sure that's what he'd want for all of us. Mm-hmm. Remember all the happiness and fun. <laughs> on, that, on that note, just the one last thing that I'll say. Is that there's a certain picture that uh, ARA and a bunch of people have been using as they're like, in memorial of Al picture. This is a great picture that somebody took of him standing in front of Rex scene at Southern Ohio forest rally this year. And what everybody seemed to miss in that photo is that just behind Al's shoulder off in the distance, Adam Van Dam is staring, standing there. And just before Sofer this year, Adam had an injury where something hit him in the eye and he's wearing a giant like bandage underneath his eye in the world's dumbest looking sunglasses to protect his eyes. And in this photo, Adam just looks like so dumb. And that's the one that they picked to commemorate Al. And I think if Al saw that, he would just like lose his marbles at how funny that is. So he's like, I can just picture him right now texting Adam and be like, they made you look like a dumbass." <laughs> thank you so much for doing this mike i really appreciate it i hope that uh having some of these memories in a somewhat immortalized in audio format uh will be something that helps folks you know Mm -hmm. um helps folks that you know are we're close to him and need someone to reach out know that we're all here Mm -hmm. you know we're all about mental health awareness you know we are call us up send us a message and uh Mm -hmm. we'll we'll try and lift you up Mm mm-hmm uh, that's what I would want too. So, exactly, Bryce, you're a wonderful man. Love you, bud. Love you too, Mike. Thank you very much. Take care. Mm-hmm. I haven't put gauges in the car yet. 
<laughs> and the car is so loud that you really know the difference between 4,800 RPM and 6,200 RPM. <laughs> That's the difference between 80 and 110. So once it gets up in there and you're screaming along through the woods, it's like, okay, just hold her to the rugs and, you know, or you have brakes left. <laughs> awesome. Which, which awesome. I have upgraded the brakes. It's like, well, if you're going to go fast, you got to slow down fast. And our next guest that we have on the show to help share in the wonderful, fun memories of Al Dante's, we have Shanti Witt. Shanti, welcome to the Empathic Rallycast, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, obviously, we're, we're trying to remember our friend Al, put a, put a little memorial together here. Yeah. And everybody's got a story how they met Al. So how did you meet Al? Well, um, so it's kind of funny. I've been thinking, you know, obviously, over the past several weeks, I, I've been asking myself that. Because I, I started in Rally, I first spectated in 2015 and very quickly um, bought and built a car and raced Snowdrift 2017 as my first race. And I don't know from then until now at what point I really met and became friends with Al, but I did. <laughs> and the first time I really remember hanging out with him and the tower city guys was central UP rally 2018. And that rally was based in a small little campground and we got there super late. My, my friends and I with our, with my car, um, I had a BMW E30. We got there at, I don't know, one in the morning or something to the campground the night before the race. And, and the tower city guys were sitting around a, a campfire and, as as they do you know if you if you know the tower city guys you know we we love to sit around a campfire drinking some beverages late into the night so we get there and my dad had come to the race that was the first time he had come to a rally and he had gotten there hours before we did with the car and he was sitting around the fire with the tower city guys with al and and adam van dam and later i remember him saying he's like wow those guys are really cool like these rally guys are are pretty pretty cool guys and so that's my first real time that i know i i interacted with al um and he was the the spokesperson of the awards at that race and that rally had a lot of challenges we got a ton of rain the and had to postpone the race by several hours because there was just like absolute monsoon flooding all across the upper peninsula of michigan and yeah that's that's the first time i remember al the next next good memory i have was um 2018 lspr that same year and it was the second day of lspr and that year i think it was still i think that would have been the last year of rally america yep and so that was it snowed a whole bunch so so saturday um the friday stages the um the ones south of houghton were really nice it was perfect weather you know the stages were super grippy and and then we woke up Saturday morning to six inches of snow or something ridiculous. And, um, and we had Adam Van Dam put on snow tires that day and just absolutely kicked everybody's butt. And I remember being on Arvon stage, which is you know one of Al's favorites. If you, if you talk to Al about LSPR, you either heard a story about Herman stage or Arvon stage. It's the area where he grew up and mm-hmm. absolutely like loved those roads, knew those roads by the back of his hand and, and killed on him, dominated those, those stages every time he raced. Um, well that year in the snow, uh, Rexine 
that would have been Rexing still had the um, the rotary engine. The rotary. Yep, that was the last year of it. Yeah, yeah. and he did not have very good tires. And <laughs> and so I remember we were on Arvon stage, super twisty, um, tight stage with with some ditches on the side. And I caught up to Al. He was you know on the road right ahead of us. And I, I caught up to him. And I'm trying to get around him. And I'm honking. And I'm like, it's like, damn it, Al, get get out of my way. I'm trying to like I'm faster than you. And um, he wouldn't let me pass. Wouldn't let me pass. And then Adam catches up to me in his rabbit. And so it's the three of us. Uh, you know, one, two, three in a line cruising yeah. down. The, yeah, a little rally train going down the stage. And I remember my windshield wipers stopped working and there was so much mud getting thrown off a of Rexine that um, I, I couldn't see anything. And that was just a really, really fun memory for me. Um, and and truly, I think the first time I was uh, like friends with Al, you know, I met him at Central UP rally. But that that event kind of started our friendship. And we joked about that stage. Um, between the three of us a, a ton of times after nothing that. like pissing somebody off on a stage to become yeah. fast friends yeah well we got <laughs> to the end and i said al like what the heck why didn't you let me pass you and he's like man you, you couldn't see in those ditches you know, i know this road and you would have you would have you know broken your car if you had tried to pass me i was really doing you a favor and i'm like yeah right whatever <laughs> but that was you know the kind of guy that he was you know he was looking out for for us and even if um, like in that situation, I was a little, a little peeved at him. He was really kind of doing me a favor to not wreck my car. And he knew those roads better than I did. And I was a rookie, you know, I was, I was young. I was 21, 22 at that time and, you know, hot headed and wanted to just go fast. And, and he taught me a lot about not letting your emotion get into your, into your steering wheel and, um, just staying calm in a rally car. So, so fast forward from there to, to so for 2020. Um, so 2020, as we all know, we had the pandemic and rallies were put on hold there for a little bit. And I remember they, they announced that they were going to do central UP rally or not central UP rally, um, Southern Ohio. And it was postponed from the normal, um, like father's day weekend date or whatever the June date was. Yeah. June. Yeah. Um, they postponed it till middle of July and it was going to be run or it was run all at night. Um, so I think the first stage we started at 8 PM or maybe 9 PM. I think it was eight. It was still light when we started. Um, regardless, Al posted on, I don't know, he posted on Facebook somewhere that he was looking for a co-driver and I saw it kind of late and there had already been a couple of people that had said, that they could do it. And I commented and said, you know, Hey, if, you know, if these don't work out, I'm available too. And he messaged me immediately, immediately, like I'd sent it and he'd responded. And if you know, Al, that's not atypical. He was kind of always on his phone and I don't know how with his crazy life, he was able to be such a social media man that he was, but right. <laughs> but yeah. So anyways, he messaged me immediately and said, yeah, you're in, let's go. <laughs> So he picked me up the you know the day before I was living in Metro Detroit and he was coming from the Upper Peninsula. So he had already driven about nine hours by the time he picked me up. And he had Chris Geschel as our crew chief. Um, Chris Geschel was formerly on the FY Racing team as one of their crew members. Proper wrench turner there. He was on a Formula Drift for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was on, he was on a Formula Drift team as a mechanic too. So we had a we had a real official crew guy. He was our only crew guy, but but he was more than qualified to help us with Rexine. 
So I hopped in the driver's seat and drove the last four hours down to Southern Ohio. That was my, I, I had co-driven before one other time, but it was, uh, it was a Jemba rally and no recce or anything. So really so I total blind. Yeah. I had, I had driven myself in, I think seven events at that point, six or seven, um, in my own car. So I was plenty familiar with recce, but I'd never written notes. So that was the first time I wrote notes. And I remember asking Al, like, what do I need? Like, you know, what what do I need, (laughs) basically? And and I had uh, I pulled the the rally computer, my TerraTrip out of my car and made a mount for his truck and and did it up real, real official. Like, I yeah. So so I learned how to write notes with Al. And he was he was great to write notes with. He he had his own phrases that he would use for things like he would if the road kinked or had a couple of, you know, fast curves, but you could see straight through them, mm-hmm. he would call it squishy. So, <laughs> so it'd be like left five, right five, squishy 150. And you have things like that. It's just like, it doesn't mean anything, but it means something to him. And now, I, for me, I, I use them myself. In the past couple of times co-driving, it's like, that yeah, it kind of makes total sense. And I'm, I don't know if any of these, you know, at Oz Rally Pro or something, they'll teach you some, some phrase for things like that but al had his own his own phrases and i think one of the coolest things not only those phrases but one of the coolest things with co-driving with al is he knew the rule book like the back of his hand he knew what was legal what wasn't legal as far as building a car but also the you know the running of a rally and all the little intricacies of things you're allowed to do and not allowed to do and and that was stuff that i was really not super strong with um especially in my own rallying time is like i don't am i allowed to work on the car here i don't care i'm doing it anyways like that kind of stuff and and one thing i learned that i might not share on here because there's a lot of other rallyists that listen but he always made sure that we got the three minutes from the time we checked into a time control to our stage start time Mm -hmm. and a lot of times if they're running behind they'll try to push you through and give you two minutes or or less than that and it's a big deal to have that extra minute between the car in front of you um, especially if they wreck or something, you know, you can, it gives you an extra minute to get there for them to get out of the way. If they have a flat. Oh, stage. I see what you're saying. So normally when they're running the one minute gap, but if they happen to tra- yep. start compressing, then he'd yep. say, I demand my extra yep. minute it's like, I because will they not gave go me a minute you requested yeah. me to go on. I'm waiting another minute and yeah. they won't always, the, the volunteers ultimately have the the final say yes so you can sit there arguing with him but he was a pro at it you know like yeah he would he and everybody knew him too and he's like no this is the rule i'm waiting the three minutes it's an ideal start time though that they give you it's not not a required yeah exactly but a lot of the volunteers don't know that yeah exactly Um, so that was something I learned, but that's from another rally and I'll get to that. I want to continue on the Sofer co-driving experience. So, so we went and we stayed at this, <laughs> we stayed at this super eight motel in Chillicothe, Ohio. No, not Chillicothe. It was Portsmouth, Ohio. And Dan Colburn was also staying there. And man, this place was rough. There was there was people that like lived in this super eight motel and like naked kids running up and down the hallways. Like the air conditioning didn't work and it was a million degrees. And we, we had the rally cars parked outside. And I remember Dan 
Colburn was like, I don't know if we should leave the cars out here all night. <laughs> and, 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 and that was just a funny experience. And we, the whole time we were like, damn it, Al, why did you book this hotel? This place sucks. And there was, there was a really nice like Hampton Inn or something across the road that a bunch of other rally people were staying at and we're stuck in this like dive hotel, but it was fun. And then, and then we went, that was the first time that I think the tradition started to get Mexican food before a rally. And that has been a tradition since, so for 2024, Al, we always have gotten Mexican before a race whenever possible, even going to, you know, your regular bar and ordering the, the quesadilla, the questionable quesadilla on the menu. Right. But, but we went, so we recce all day, and then we went and got Mexican food, and it was a real questionable Mexican establishment. And it was great. It was, hands down, some of the best Mexican food I've ever had. And Al and I <laughs> were so full. We're like, okay, we're going to take a power nap here for like an hour, and then we're going to go out and go racing. So we took our nap. We both woke up feeling, feeling like a million bucks, and we got in the car and set out, and it was so hot. It was hot and it was humid. It, we started at 8 p.m. and I think we finished around 4 or 5 in the morning. Wow. And I remember at like 3 in the morning we were on transit or something and it was still 97 degrees. And we were just like dying in the car. And if you know, if you've heard stories from other people, it's there was people puking. Passing out. Everywhere. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah. It was just heat exhaustion and... I think it was really the the car sickness that was getting to a lot of people, and yep. there was people that normally didn't get car sick. Yeah, I remember because of the conditions, we're getting car sick at that event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember Dave Wallingford um, stopped on stage puking. Like we came up to him, and he, you know he's a driver, and he's a good driver, and has raced all over the world, and he's standing on the side of the road puking, and it was just it was brutal, man. The stages. So what they did to to try to minimize number of volunteers and minimize spectating and everything for for covid is they linked together i can't remember if we had two or three stages i think we had three stages but each one was like 18 miles long and there were like these tarmac connectors between the normal gravel stages that we would normally run right uh, you know as five six miles a piece they had these like tarmac connectors that were still stage road and that tarmac was really it, it created a lot of g-force and like lat, lateral g's in the car and that was really just turning everybody's stomach and al and i al al was like okay we need to we need a lot of water and we're taking our suits off and so we would get out of the car and take our suits off at every finish control and put them on at every start control and we were chugging water the whole night and just tr- doing everything we could to stay cool but rexine is not exactly uh a well-prepped rally car if you will it the floorboards are very 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 thin at this point and there are very big headers that run directly under both driver and co-driver's feet off of his big ls and the tuning that he has done in that ls is not exactly top of the line so i think it runs a little bit hotter than it needs to (laughs) A little rich, and, huh? Yeah, a little bit. And so we would tape, and it's still to this day, there's probably 10 layers of the, the bubble um, reflectix insulation 
on the floor to try to keep the, the heat down. But I remember my boots melted at that rally because the floor was so hot. Melted? Melted, yes. I melted my boots. And it, it's, like, ridiculous. And if you if you talk to Keegan Helwig, he'll say the same thing. Like, the floor in that car, is it, you can fry an egg on it, literally. And so racing, when the ambient temperature is 97 degrees, there's no airflow in that car. There's no sort of, you know, fans or anything like that. And it's just hot. <laughs> so, so we get done with that rally. And I had really needed to puke several times. And I don't get car sick or anything. Like, I don't need to take Dramamine or anything like that when I'm co-driving. And I knew, like, if I just puked at the end of one of the stages, I remember thinking, like, man, I would feel so much better. And I didn't want to because I didn't want to get in Al's head thinking that something would go wrong or that like I wasn't going to be at the top of my game co-driving. And I didn't I just didn't want to psychologically do that to him, even though I know physically I would feel better. And his last co-driver, Brandon Snyder, I think he had started puking randomly like he had co-driven a whole bunch and just Mm -hmm. randomly started puking and couldn't co-drive anymore. And that was the reason why. I was in the right seat that race was because Brandon couldn't anymore. So, so I didn't want to psychologically do that to Al and, and I, so I choked it down and I, I just, you know, kind of suffered through it. And I remember on the final transit back to the fairgrounds where the rally was based out of, I said, Al, I really needed to puke. And, and I didn't because I didn't want to mess with you. And he said, he was like, Oh man, He's like, I really need the puke too, and I, I, I didn't because I didn't want to psych you out. <laughs> so both of us are sitting there trying to be considerate and just suffering. <laughs> oh my gosh! But that race was brutal. Brutal. However, we finished uh, first overall in open two wheel drive, and Al was ecstatic. I think I, first in class. Wow. Yep. And we let me pull up the EWRC because I don't know that he had many. I don't know that he had any overalls before that. And, I don't think he did either. And so, first in class, Thousand Lakes Rally. And Namaji. 10,000 Lakes Rally. Namaji. Before that in 2017. Yeah, so he had had a few wins, but but it was a big deal, you know. And so, because it was a big race, too. That was a race where Travis Pastrana burned his car down. Yep. And Ken Block was there. I think that was Ken Block's first time back in a while or something. I don't know. It was a big deal that he was there. So it was McKenna a big, was there. It was yeah. a big race for for um, Al Dantas with his with you know Rexine to to be doing that well. And so that's why the Mexican food thing is a big deal because neither of us puked. And afterwards, we're saying, "Man, that Mexican food! We didn't puke and we won. Like we have to do that every time in the future." <laughs> so that started tra- Tower City Race Team tradition of of Mexican food, pre race Mexican food, and we had a hoot together, Al and I. And so, let's see, 2021, let me, I got some notes here, so I, I want to uh, make sure I touch the points here. Oh, it's, <laughs> so we, we got done with, I think, the first stage, and Al said, he's like, man, he's like, you need to be quieter. And I was like, well, I could turn your, your mic, your, uh, your headset down. And he's like, no, man, he's like, you, you get excited, and you start yelling, <laughs> on stage and i'm like really and he's like yeah he's like we, we start out your your volume is perfect and then we get like two quarters in and you start screaming <laughs> and so every time i co-drove with him after that he always we'd always every single time it'd be like hey man quiet down stop yelling stop yelling <laughs> and so like i said it really 
that was one of the ways he taught me I really need to stay calm in the car because I was you know, I shouldn't be getting that excited that I'm like can't control my volume. I need to stay calm. So that's something that he taught me and that I've worked on a lot is you know staying completely calm. And if if you know me, I, I am a generally a very calm person, but I am very excitable. So so yeah, that was that was a good time. And then later that summer, I was racing in Ojibwe in my E30. That was the last race for me in my E30. And I had a bunch of problems and ended up retiring. And Al was crew or was um, had his pit spot next to us on Saturday. And so I had a bunch of guys with me and namely my crew chief, Kyle Bristol was there and he had a, he has a, a grill that he always brings and always is cooking a bunch of food at the races. Now, Al typically doesn't have a whole lot of crew with him. Um, he actually likes to, because his car is kind of a, it's a unique build. Yeah. He doesn't love to have a bunch of people working on it because it's got his quirks. So he likes to, likes to work on it himself just to ensure that any problems are from him and not from somebody else, I guess is like the bottom line. So he's at a Jibway and I can't remember. I could probably look here. Sims. I was thinking it was Sims co-driving for him, Andrew Sims, and they didn't have any crew. And so they come into service and we had retired. So we were all just hanging out and they come in and we had, we had his car jacked up and on stands and a plate of food in both of their hands before they even stop moving and we were like okay what do you need you know what's going on with the car and he was his skid plate was loose and if you guys remember he swiss rolled the skid plate after that oh, right yeah and that was like a big problem he got like it like lifted the car up and he was like stuck on top of the skid plate but the mounts had broken and so we were under there trying to fix it and it was a short service but he was blown away with our like hospitality and just making him sit down and us take care of it and without being asked and so after that he started asking kyle and i to come and and crew for him more and and stuff so we started going to a lot more races with him after that um ojibwe 2020 um the next time that i co-drove for him was show me rally 2021 so that was last fall just a year ago and it's kind of funny i feel like i've known al and i think many people agree with this is i feel like i've known him my whole life and I've known him since, what did I say, 2018? Like, I've known him four years. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of people that have known him for way longer than that. He's been rallying since, you know, he's been in the rally scene since, I think, the early 2000s. But I, I've only known him these past four years, and it seems like an eternity. And I think that's, like, one of the effects that he had on people is just, he's such a friendly guy that it just seems like you've known him. The first time you meet him, he seems like somebody that you've known forever so and that's why you know you asked me when the first time the first time i met alan i don't remember you know i I know these times i've crossed paths but i feel like i've known him forever so i I can't pinpoint a time when i met him yeah and i think too along with that is if you're in the rally scene and i'm not sure for you guys out on the west coast if it's the same way but for us in the midwest it's like you can't be around stage rally without knowing al and knowing who al is uh, even if you're just on you know the north american rally facebook page he always is posting the the rally updates yes he was yeah and you know like and, and so that's like that's something that i think you really connect with him that way and and also is just large social media presence in general it's it's uh, you always know what's going on in al dantas's life so yeah, just one year ago, it's kind of shocking that that was only last November at Show Me Rally, and it was that was right after 
I'm just thinking in my my life what had was going on. So, anyways, um, it was super dusty, like incredibly dusty. We couldn't see anything. It was in the in the evening, and these fantastic stage roads, super wide and flowy and fast, perfect for Rexine. You know, the, the V8 and everything in in that car is. It's a rocket ship, man. Let me tell you what. And he's got the Cooper tire deal, so he's got better tires. Yeah, yeah. Since yeah, since back in the day, yeah, yeah. He has good tires. That's been incredible. Um, seeing the support from Cooper Tire and and everything. So we were. It, it, there would have been car stage rows that we would have maxed the car out on, but it was so dusty that we couldn't see anything, and it wasn't. It, it was miserable, actually. I, I think a lot of rally is kind of miserable, but, um, <laughs> I mean, that's but just like, that's endurance racing, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we were just like, so annoyed that we couldn't see anything. So we go into a, what did we do? We went into a ATC and we, Al said, don't put your gear on yet. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, just, just trust me. Oh gosh. He's doing this trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we pulled in and then we you know fumbling around talking to them and then they're they like well you gotta go and we're like what no no no, no. and, and i don't got, have my helmet on i'm not yeah, belted in properly yeah, oh like, i'm gonna I, need another minute here yeah yeah and uh and he got it and it was it was awesome <laughs> we got that minute and we were flying we made up a bunch of time and yeah not not so much of a kosher move but but he had said he's like i'm not having fun like this isn't it's not it's not fun anymore because we have to go slow and and can't see anything. So, so it's like we're doing this. We're gonna see how it goes, and and we did it, and it was it was pretty funny. But that race, we camped we camped at this campground in uh, Potosi, Missouri. I think it was actually where the headquarters of the rally was this year. Was at that campground. I might be wrong, but anyways, we camped at this campground, and the night after the rally, there was a there was a ton of other teams there. The Coopers were there um, with their E thirty um ryan and heather george were there and uh there were some other teams there but it was awesome you know a bunch of teams were all camping night after the rally we had a big bonfire going at one of the campsites swapping rally stories and this these drunk guys on this on this six-seater golf cart rolled up and they're like hey guys you guys do that rally racing thing and we're like yeah and they're like well you want to go see our rally course that we got set up in the woods <laughs> and um and they're like we'll take you on this thing and you know it's a long golf cart yeah and they were they were clearly drunk it was pretty late at night and all of us are like i don't know and and <laughs> al was like heck yeah let's go <laughs> and so he he goes and grabs adam van dam and the two of them get on this this golf cart and rip off into the night <laughs> with these random people and they come back you know 20 minutes later or something and and Al gets off and he's like dude we almost died out there he's like that was insane you gotta try it man <laughs> so we're all looking at each other like what what are you saying and so he's like man we only rolled this thing over wrapped it around a tree it was it was nuts but this guy the, like pointing at the driver he's like this guy's crazy you guys need to take it for go for a ride and so several others of us hopped on and went off on this this thing and yeah sure enough this guy was a madman and we did almost die going on, <laughs> going on the golf cart ride in the pitch dark so i think that 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 little story kind of shows how Al loves it. Loves to have fun and always yeah. for some sort of some sort of good time like that. That's yeah. a little 
off the wall. Um, and, and and the fact that he'd be the first one to, to yeah, jump in and no try it. Jump in with these random guys, yeah. yeah. So from there, I, I don't remember. Let me see. I have my little trophy stand here. We got third at that race, and we had a lot of fun. I remember the the award ceremony afterwards and, and stuff. So so we had a good time, and I remember he said, hey, you know, can I sign you up right now, get you on board for Snowdrift in January? And that was that would have been this year's Snowdrift. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely, man. Like, Snowdrift's my home rally. I'm, I live 45 minutes from there. Uh, actually, really, 45 minutes from the headquarters. I'm only 25 minutes from the closest stage roads from Black River Road. So, I, you know, I know the, I know the stages really, really well. Kind of like Al knows the... Um, knows the lspr stages so exactly yeah so he he had that was his second time racing snowdrift or second time driving he had co-driven once before but his first experience he was with bryce with bryce and they had they tried to go for the the cooper tire contingency so he got some cooper snow tires and they really were not good and he and bryce had had a pretty miserable time i think um he spun out a whole bunch and it was just really unsettling yeah that that car i mean they couldn't yeah uh we talked to bryce just before you and yeah he was talking about how you know you could put that car in whatever gear you wanted and you know it tried to be as delicate with the throttle as you could and it would go all of a sudden do 100 miles an hour on the speedometer but you're going 10 right (laughs) yep yep so so he said to me, he's like, yeah, you know, I got some some Blizzax now and I'd like to have you co-drive for me because, you know, the roads and I'd feel really comfortable with that. And, you know, I'm saying that Al said that, but he didn't he, he didn't talk like that. But that was what what he meant. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what it, what his words would have been. But but anyways, yeah, he, he asked me to co-drive for him. And that was the first time he'd said directly like, hey, do you want to co-drive the other couple of times it had just been he needed somebody so that was pretty cool for me because really i've, I've said it a million times i'm not a co-driver i'm a driver i've now co-driven in more rallies than i've driven in so maybe i am a co-driver but <laughs> a co-driver but, in denial <laughs> yeah but uh but it, it felt really good to have him ask me and and he's such a he, he's a phenomenal driver that's something i haven't talked about is despite these inclement conditions that i've been with him before he He's great, and he'll say he'd be <clears throat> in his rally recaps. He would say, um, "He'd say I haven't put a tire wrong all weekend." And you're like, "You're like, what? That, what does that mean?" Like, of course, you know, everybody makes little mistakes in a rally. That's like the sport. But really, I think I don't think Al ever put a tire wrong. Like, we never got in situations where I felt like we were out of control or like any any sort of danger. Like riding with him was, yeah, it was. We'd get done with a stage, and I'm like, "There's no way we did very well because we weren't going fast." Like it felt like he was. I'm like, "You, you could have gone faster, Al." And then we look at the times, and we take the stage win for two wheel drive. And it's like, "How? What the heck?" <laughs> and he was just such a smooth driver, and and he didn't take risks. I think that was the biggest thing. Um, I do remember I, you say that. Yeah. But uh remember uh was it Southern Loop, Hundred Acre Wood where he passed by all the stuck yeah. cars? Okay, yeah. That's there a is little a bit video. of risk I'd That's say. True. Just a little bit. That is true. <laughs> but no, I I really felt like okay, if he took a risk it was very calculated. Yeah, it was very like calculated. That, like that sure. time he he had scoped that out. He knew people were getting stuck on that hill. Yeah. I've talked to him about that that instant because it's such a famous Al event. But he'd scoped that out beforehand, and he knew that that, that was going to be okay. 
maybe i don't know anyways <laughs> i i think i think he's just like i he didn't have a whole lot of money to go rallying i think is part of it and rally was his life right but he's got a family of six daughters and a house and like all of these things you know a wife and all these things he has to take care of that come first before rallying does and so he couldn't afford to to ball his car up on a weekend and fix it before the next time he'd want to go racing and he'd rather take his the money that he had for rallying and use it to actually go rallying not work not repair his car yeah so so i think he you know he was really really wise in that sense of just not beating the car up unnecessarily and Rexine, like i've said is not not a spring chicken by any means and somehow it like it never broke (laughs) i remember that first time at southern ohio i crawled under the dash to wire some wire my um rally computer in and i pulled on this wire and it pulled apart and it was like three segments of wire butt connected together pretty (laughs) shittily and it just like disconnected and that wasn't atypical of that car and somehow it never had issues it was like al had a had a rally angel watching over his shoulder yeah it was it was nuts so so yeah we went and raced uh snowdrift this year and let me think about what happened there so we this year if you remember it was super super icy um not a lot of snow yeah it was an, it was one of the ice drifts that we've had yeah yeah and so al was already not super comfortable with racing in the snow which is super ironic because if you know lance michigan at all his hometown and where he lived his whole life they get a mountain of snow like it's not unusual to get you know four or five feet of snow up there in the winter time and he is not comfortable racing in the snow at all which i find really ironic so i guess let me let me back up about snowdrift i went up to his place he and adam and i went up to work on Rexine before snowdrift um i don't know a week or two beforehand just do some prep yep yep i can't remember what we had to do but that was when we had the brainchild of the the um thunder chicken on the the hood yes oh yeah i know we put a new we put that hood on there we put a new hood on it because the other one had gotten uh bent or something somehow from a uh, jump i believe yeah something and the uh, suspension that uh yep Yep, is now a little bit towers. closer than it was. Yep. Yeah. I think that actually got straightened out a little bit. But, okay. Yeah. So, anyways, we put this new hood on it, and we're standing in the garage, Al's garage. We'll call it a rally shop. Um, <laughs> is far from a rally shop. It's a. It's like a one car garage with with rally parts and you know old engines and seats and stuff out of. His Volkswagen or out of his uh, his Jetta. He's got a couple of VR6s in there. He's got a couple of uh, rotary things, some transmissions, like all this stuff, just like piled on one wall. The other wall, he's got a, a tool bench that is just covered in tools, nothing organized. But I think the coolest thing in Al's garage is his door. He takes off all the event stickers and all of the co-driver stickers and everything after an event, and he sticks it on this door. Aww. And this door is like completely covered with all of the the rally stickers which is really really cool but anyway so we go up there it's january in the upper peninsula of michigan and it's absolutely freezing cold out no heat in the garage and we're working on this car and we said you know what this car needs this car needs a 
needs a fire chicken on the on the hood and he's like you know what i think it does he shows up at snowdrift with it he didn't tell us and it was hilarious like it was such a like a random joke um after some beers in the garage late one night and And then he makes it a reality uh, yeah he called up his vinyl printer guy and and yeah there we go got got this awesome decal on the hood another thing about that night or that that weekend when i was up there working on the car we went to i guess also to the kind of vinyl this whole kind of goes together we went to this bar in barriga um which is a town just like 10 15 minutes from Lance, Mm -hmm. closer to houghton so if you've gone to LSPR, you've drawn, gone through Barriga. So we go to this bar in Barriga um, in the evening, and it's Adam Van Dam and Al and me. And we walk into this bar, and we're there for, I don't know, two, three hours. And the entire time we were there, it is a steady stream of every other patron in this bar walking up to Al, asking him how the rally car is doing, you know, what's his next event, you know, how the racing season's been, sharing stories about rally you know like all this stuff in his hometown bar like all i think every single person in there knew him and not only knew him but knew enough to ask him about how you know whatever was going on with the rally at that time and that was just incredible to me and i remember man of the people yeah i remember standing there in that bar just for we're there for several hours and the whole time i couldn't believe you know, I couldn't believe what was going on. Like, I'm like, how do all of these people know this? I'm Okay. First of all, how do they all know out? It's not that unusual. It's a small town, whatever that is okay. But all these people have a specific story, a specific, you know, they know something that's going on that they're asking about. And they all genuinely cared too. That was the other thing. And it's just like, wow, this is incredible how much community support he has. And that, you know, going to the vinyl that he got printed for the car, he called up his vinyl guy and said, hey, I need this this week. And the guy says, he's like, well, you know, I'm busy, but yeah, I'll do it for you, Al. And and he had so many local, small local sponsors like that. Yeah, he did. Um, if you saw his car, he like Pizza Shack and and um, Dick's Pump and Dump, a septic company and like, you know, all of this stuff. He's got all these stickers and and all of those guys contribute to him every year and we would go to races and he would say okay you know it might not be much but we'd go to a rally and say hey guys uh dinner's on so-and-so tonight you know they they're they're paying for our dinner and you know just small things like that and it it was really cool to see because like i said al's got his he's got this big family and he's got all these other expenses in his life he doesn't he can't necessarily you know devote a ton of funds to rally racing but he was able to get such support from people not only in the in the Lance community and and in Michigan but you know all over the place I know you know people were doing all sorts of things for him and it it was awesome and so I started when they you know if I couldn't go to a rally because of that I started saying okay Al I'll buy the team dinner or you know I'll I'll pay the bar tab you know after the rally or something like that when I wasn't there to still support the team and and the other thing is I know not most co-drivers don't pay to go racing but I would always pay part of the entry fee if I was going to co-drive with Al. I know Keegan did the same thing and it's it's just like it's just who he was like you know you wanted to see him go racing. Yeah. Everybody had some buy-in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I think going to that bar in Barriga is like all these all these people are, you know, somehow invested in this. Yeah. And 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 too his social media, I keep saying his social media presence was was so uh so great that 
everybody knew what was going on and they, they had things to ask about because they saw it on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever. I think he was, you know, he epitomized that sharing the love of rally. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's how all these people knew about it. I mean, he would, he was so good at telling the stories of, uh, bringing his passion forward and yeah, you know, exactly. Making sure everybody knew about it and what, you don't know what rally is here. Let me tell you, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then too, like me being a young, um, rallyist, like, you know, a lot of guys, he he would come up and introduce himself to us and and co-driving with him i saw that one th- another one thing i learned from him was always talk to the new driver you know always talk to the novice drivers introduce yourself see where they're from see what you know what they're into and this year at southern ohio we i was co-driving with adam van dam but we were staying with al and we were at the uh tech inspection and these guys first I think they'd raced at STPR once before, but you know, these novices, uh, unloading their car on the trailer and they started having engine problems. It was Volkswagen golf. And they said, man, like we don't, you know, we don't have any place to, even if we got an engine, how are we going to replace it? We don't have a place to do it. And where we were staying, we had a garage and I said, Hey Al, is it all right if I invite these guys? And he said, Oh, absolutely. And so we invited them back to our, our house where we were staying and helped them replace an engine overnight. And that was, and that was really like the embodiment of of Al's rally mentality and and really what you know what he wanted Tower City Race team to stand for was you know helping one another and and so so yeah we swapped these guys engines overnight before the rally started at Southern Ohio and and Al was sitting offering moral support I'll say sitting in his he always brought a lazy boy um like reclining camp chair and he would sit in the garage and watched us uh, replace his engine and another thing he always stressed always 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 thank the volunteers and so every time you know you're handing in your time card or whatever we'd always say thank you and and for me working in a control after that i was kind of surprised because i feel like that's you know common you just thank thank all the volunteers but i was surprised at how many people don't yep and really like our sport can't exist without volunteers and Al was, you know, the perfect example. He, he was a hometown, he, he was hometown to a rally. He started volunteering because it was cool, and something to do. And he volunteered for years and eventually got a car and started racing. And so I think he saw himself and every single volunteer that was out there standing in the cold or in the, you know, whatever, the, the cold or the heat or whatever. And he wanted to thank them. And so he would always lean over me when I was co-driving and, and say thank you and he would always yell into the comm for me to say thank you if I didn't and so yeah you know that was something that he he's just such a such a friendly guy but also a, a very appreciative and compassionate guy yeah yeah so we went to we an example too like we went to snowdrift this year and he's like yeah I got our accommodations covered he's like I got a friend there and we go and pull up and it's this guy's got this massive heated barn um, he has like owns a trucking semi truck co- uh, company and lets us stay at his house for free. His wife cooks his food and um, lets us use his shop and his hoist and any tool. All the toolboxes are unlocked. Anything we need. And Al met him at a gas station in Atlanta, filling up his gas and started talking to the guy and somehow ended up staying at his house. And and this guy Chad is uh, you know he's a great host and chatted up a guy at a gas station in Atlanta. Yep. Yep, and ends up you guys end up every, staying at every his year. place. Every, well, this is like several years ago. I'll talk to this guy, but, but then still. it became like, yeah, exactly. And like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like the kind of it's the kind of accommodations that 
like Vermont sports car is trying to get to work on their cars. It's this big shop, well lit, you know, everything and heated floors. It's got a heated power washer. We'd always wash the car after the Friday stages or whatever. And it's just, it's like that kind of thing is, um, what, what happened with Allie, just make friends everywhere and get invited to their homes. And, and that was kind of the coolest part about racing with Al too, is like seeing all those connections and, and learning how to be a friendlier person. I was going to say that that's what I was going to ask you is like, is there, you know, from your relationship with Al and friendship, you know, what, what did you learn from that? Yeah. And I, you know, I think I'm, I'm a, a pretty friendly guy as it is, but, but just, yeah, the, the learning, learning, um, that you don't know what, position anybody's in or what circumstances they're in and be friends with them because you can make their lives better they can make your lives better you can create a wonderful friendship that could last forever kind of thing so i i got you know i got a good story from that snow drift there's the ice drift as we were saying super icy hill there's a bunch of cars stuck on this hill mm-hmm. and we come around the corner and we see these cars and al just puts it to the floor and just lets the tires spin up as fast as they absolutely possibly can go. And the the LS is just blah, 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 blah. And we're like inching our way up the hill and we come to a stop. We spin. Oh, we spin. And we come to a stop next to Andrew Sims. And who was, he was in uh, one of the rental Lexuses, my Cooper's rental. Oh, right. I forget who he was with. Anyways, they were stopped on the side and we spun right in front of them, came to a complete stop. And Al shifts it into the second gear and just just puts his foot back to the floor. And I think we must have chewed through the ice to get traction. And we just started accelerating up the hill again. And there's all these two-wheel drive cars stuck. And we ended up running the next two stages while all these cars were stuck on the hill. And they ended up canceling um, the stage, those next two stage stages for all those other cars. And then... The most comical thing about that race was Sims and really it's bothering me who he was with. Sims was on the podium and we were, uh, he was first and we were second and we had passed them and they didn't do all of the stages. And I remember afterwards, Al and I were like, damn it. Like we did the whole rally and they didn't, but we got second place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he didn't care. That was the other thing with Al is like, you know, he was super excited when we would get on the podium. But I think he's just happy to be out racing, like I've said. And when things didn't go right, yeah, we try to fix it. And uh, it was Nigel. Yep, that Andrew was with. Yep, yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So, so anyways, yeah, he's just uh, he's always always have fun, no matter what. And there was so many nights, late nights, staying up. We'd always stay up way too late. I mean, still do, but we'd stay up late and. Al would say he'd get he'd get you know two three in the morning and we got to go race in the next morning and he would say a Finnish word I'm not even sure if it's a real Finnish word but Al Dantis Dantis is is Finnish right. and there's a lot of Finlanders up there in the UP um, but he would say Nukama which meant go to bed or go to sleep or something along those lines so we would be up and you know you get sitting around a fire or in a garage or whatever and you just kind of get stuck in a loop of sharing stories and drinking beers and he would he would eventually say nakama and we would all we we'd all shut up immediately and go to bed he had us trained incredibly um (laughs) and um 
And so that was something too. Is like he, he's kind of like, he's kind of like a a dad in a way, but more more like a big brother to all of us. Where it's not like he he he'd never tell us what we needed to do or anything, but he'd give us guidance like that. Like you know, you need to go to bed. Little things like that. That not in a not in a demanding way, but just like a a wiser big brother kind of way. And it was cool because, you know, I'm I'm 26. Al was 43 years old. So there's a big gap between us. But it didn't feel like he was it didn't feel like he was really any older, but it felt like he was a lot wiser, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. 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 He was definitely a big kid. But uh, yeah, at the same time. Yeah, he was definitely still a, a wise old sage in, in other ways. And uh, yeah, definitely some special qualities he had there. Do you have a favorite uh, Al Dante's uh, mannerism or uh, or quote? I think, oh man, I can't think of any quotes. I know I've been saying things, you know, in the past couple of weeks, and I'm like, oh, that's something Al says. But one thing, one thing that really stands out—that's something that's that's uniquely Al. Maybe not. Maybe only people that are super close to him know this. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a widespread known thing. But he, his music taste was. Uh, unique and we would be listening to some sort of some sort of new pop music and then it would change to like hank williams and then beyonce and then some 90s rock and all at the same time like in the same like in the same playlist and he would always be sitting there on his phone and he'd be like, oh, yeah, he'd like kind of mumble some things under and like under his breath and be queuing up songs to play. And it was just the most bonkers genre. And then he would just start singing along randomly, especially like when we were on Recky, when it was just him and me in the car. He'd put a song on and be like, oh, yeah. And then he would just start singing along to this random song and then completely change genres and keep singing along with the next song. And, and that was it was just kind of unique to Al and very fun. And I found a playlist. Um, I'm pulling it up here so that I can share with others. If you type in on Spotify, if you type in Al Dantis, there is one shared playlist, and it is called Rally. It's three hours and 21 minutes long, and it is exactly what I just described. Just n- There's no genre. It's all genres. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's like the perfect quintessential Al playlist, but I think it's one of the best that we have. So I'd, I'd so give it a listen. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the key is it sounds like all of it was fun. Yeah. Oh, always fun. You know, <laughs> that that's definitely Al. So I guess kind of kind of in closing for someone that, you know, is wondering why are we doing this podcast about Al Dante's Jr.? You know, what should they take from this? You know, we keep talking about how important he was to the sport and and things like that i guess what would you like people to remember al specifically for i think just a you know this his smiling face you know he's always so happy and cheerful at at every rally and just you know spreading the joy of rally you know we that all do it we know how much fun it is um and some people don't get it like my parents don't get rally they don't understand it it doesn't it's not something that they understand and realize how much fun it is and i think al was a really good representative of the sport and spread the knowledge of rally and 
not just kind of making it sound like it's some sort of cult or something, but but just you know it's sharing sharing the 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 sport and how much fun it is and 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 then also recognizing what it takes to make the sport possible you know all the local law enforcement and all of the you know the paramedics and the road commission and all of that stuff he's always thinking i remember we passed a passed a plow truck on uh, on one of the snowdrift stages and he he reached out his arm and gave him a thumbs up like just that kind of thing you know thanking everybody and not taking any of it for granted is so not sure that's a fantastic summary uh i kind of rambled but yeah just you know appreciating the sport sharing the love and 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 being thankful for it i think that that is actually a pretty darn good summary I think he showed us all how to be those things, yeah. right? It wasn't just something he did. He projected it on others. Yep. And that's, so I've been thinking myself, like, what can I do moving forward as somebody that knew him and raced with him? What can I do so that Al lives on in me? And that's basically what I've come up with. Is I think really the, the appreciated, appreciation is, is a big part for me. Um, it's just, you know thank every single person and oh and what i had what i'd mentioned before is introducing yourself to to the new guy too you know us veteran rallyists um i don't know if i can claim veteran status at this point but um <laughs> us that have been around for a little while you know remember what it was like to be new and try to help the the new guys and that 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 too is a big part of of what al did and, and going to races he knew every single person like being in the car with him, everybody would stop and and say hi, give him a thumbs up, and just be excited to see him. And that's because he made connections with all of those people. And you don't make connections with people by hanging out in your pit, talking to your your buddies that are crewing for you. You know, you got to get out there and and talk, go walk around the the pit area and talk to everybody. <laughs> and and then you know, and I think since his passing, we've all been everybody's like the last stage selfie and all of that stuff but really like the true thing behind the selfies because he was always taking selfies was it, it was a fantastic way to keep connections and to to remember races so you go through like his facebook page and you see all of these selfies he's taken and you're like oh yeah i remember that race i remember being there with those people and all of this stuff and and it it's it was his way of um of documenting all of that and not only was it you know a lot of the times his selfie which kind of is misconstrued it wasn't just himself yeah right yeah it was yeah, getting true. others always, yeah, in it yeah always with other people yeah exactly exactly yeah and he would he would say hey let's take a selfie <laughs> take a picture let's take a picture shanti thank you so much for taking the time to share some of the stories with al and like you, um, I similarly only knew him from a couple of years. Uh, you know, finally got to meet him at a in 2017. Um, he'd been on the podcast, obviously, and things like that, but felt like I knew him a very long time. And what he did for the sport, for the grassroots community, for the volunteer community, for all the things that he did, this is why we want to remember this man. And I appreciate your uh, helping out in uh, sharing some of that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I, I like sharing my stories and, and, um, hope al can can live on through them well we'll have to have you back on to uh share some of your uh rally racing stories because uh you got to get back behind the driver's seat uh I, one of these oh, times man <laughs> i'm 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 fully aware of that <laughs> <laughs> all right shanti thanks man thank you
start line and uh, the start line control goes, uh, you do know you have a flat tire, right? I'm like, no. They're, they're like, yeah, your front right's flat. I'm like, oh, Ugh. front tire too. Oh, no. Even worse. I'm like, is it flat, flat? He's like, it's flat. I'm like, is it on the bead? Uh, not really. I'm like, oh, great. And you can't change it in a control. Nope. So like, oh, and the stage is seven and a half miles long. And it was probably the, the worst judgment call I ever made. And I'm like, well, we'll see how long it stays on. So I took the start with a flat tire off the beat. And the, the first corner's a, a right four plus, And everything goes great there. And then it's a left three minus, And the whole car just sinks, dives, and almost flips. It's like, oh, crap. So got out. Got to, <laughs> stuffed the car into the ditch. Now I'm in a muddy ditch trying to change a tire co-driver has to run down the road with triangles now I'm missing a helper um, got back in got belted up and drove angry it's like actually that's what Tower City is named after is Herman because all up on that mountain is nothing but towers so that that road I've driven it a thousand times and I didn't even plug in the intercom because I was so angry at myself so we drove that stage flat out and we got to the Herman jump which is halfway I think it's four and a half miles and I just downshifted and stood on it and hit the lip at about 75. It landed really, really hard on the nose and made the left three and hammered down the stage a little bit more. And then about a mile from the finish, there's a, a beaver dam that they had busted. So the road was flooded and hit that at about 100 miles an hour and got to the finish. And the co-drivers over there mumbling and stumbling and high-fiving. And I reached down and plugged my intercom in and I said, what? He goes, you just did that with no comps? Yeah, nice. that was horrible. That's Herman. We had fun. <laughs> <laughs> Got it opened with a proper sound here. I have with us Ryan George and his wife, Heather, who are joining us for our Al Dante's Memorial episode here. Everybody has so many great memories of Al, but everyone seems to have a different story of how they met Al. So I'm going to have, first of all, welcome to the rally cast, but uh, really want to know how you guys met Al. Oh, thanks for having us. What are you drinking? That's true. I, I should be talking about, I, I usually open these properly. Boy, I'm, I'm just all over the place. I am, of course, drinking a proper LSPR lager. You Thank you to our friends up there who, uh, who supplied me with some to uh, take home. So I will be saving at least one can or so uh, to, to keep, to memorialize being up there. I love being up there in the UP such a beautiful place and of course beautiful friendships and whatnot as well so what about you are you starting off with something fun i have a russian imperial stout from our good friend emmons hathaway also known as dj mm-hmm. he does his own homebrew you know dj he's a co-driver oh i think i think i have met him in the past yes co-driver for kenan and um or sorry keenan and um uh, nick nicholas bucky right right yeah he does his own homebrew and he Loaded us up with like a case of his homebrew at uh, Show Me. So I'm trying to drink them all so I can return all of his bottles at uh, No Drip. <laughs> there we go. That's the challenge. Make sure you get through all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's something that Al would very much approve of. I have had him on the podcast uh, a few times in the past, and uh, it was it was always fun to figure out what he was going to be drinking. <laughs> Probably a Truly or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, going back to, I guess... To, to start things off, how did you two meet Al Dante's Jr.? Um, in the, the UP. <laughs> yeah. 
So back in 2018, right before the CUP rally, he made a post on the North American rally page about camping out for CUP and like kind of inviting people over to his campsite. We decided to go up there and volunteer for the rally since we were trying to get into rally the following year. Um, and we decided to stay at the same campground as them and went over to their campsite and just started hanging out and talking and, you know, started shooting the shit with him and Adam Van Dam. That was our first introduction to uh, Mr. Al Dantes. What was uh, your impression when you when you first met him and the gang? Oh, just a super bubbly and welcoming person. Yeah, I'm sure he was uh, excited to see someone else that was uh, wanting to get into the sport. Did he uh, make sure that you were getting in the same class as him so, uh, <laughs> so you could be competitors? Yeah, he wanted to know all about the build and stuff. And so I, I told him our story and then we went back to... He, he actually met us at our campsite, and then we went back to his campsite, and that's when we met Adam Van Dam. He told Adam Van Dam that we were planning on building a car and entering open two-wheel drive, and Adam's first words to me, he just looks at me and goes, well, what's taking you so long? <laughs> or, or, or what are you waiting on? Or something like that. Yeah. He's like, well, I mean, we're getting the car caged in like a month, so we're working on it. Get it done in a hurry. We want you out here. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure we sat in Al's car test out the seats yeah that's right i sat in al's car to check out the seats because i didn't know what i wanted to do for seats yet and yeah that was that was our first night in the rally community that's awesome i mean he's always been such a welcoming person uh to, to try and draw people in so then what was your first time uh competing with him slash against him first that would be 2019 southern ohio force rally that was, was that the one in the in the sweltering heat during the day i remember there was the night one after covid but was that one also... No, that one was the one that got the rain, wasn't it? And it was super slippery. I'm trying to remember now. I, I could be mistaken. Because it was... Uh, so here, that's 2019. Was it still a super regional? Or was it, no, it was the first year as national, wasn't it? It was a super regional. It was a super, it was super regional. regional. Okay, so it was 2020, it became national, but then got delayed. Gotcha. Heather, Heather's trying to pull it up. My memory's terrible on things. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was 2019 Southern Ohio Force yeah, Rally. Was yeah, he was there. Yeah, she confirmed him. So I'm like, wait a minute. She's like, was he there? Like, I think so. Yeah, so it was 2019 Southern Ohio Forest Rally. It was our first time competing there with him. And don't don't ask me much about that rally because I just remember us being super slow and trying to keep it on the road. Yeah. Our very first stage, we see, saw somebody flipped over, and I'm just like, okay, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, well, those, that, that can happen. Okay. Yeah. And, and it doesn't necessarily take a lot. You, you get off that line and uh so your southern ohio has a little bit of that crown on that road doesn't it so if you get off that crown you can go sliding huh yeah and it's got those really big drop-offs in the culverts that and in the culverts that like to jump out in front of you (laughs) definitely a a good challenge there yeah that's Um, right because also did part of the um i think he did some of the award stuff at southern ohio at night that's the night that we did awards up to like three in the morning or something i remember now they took forever to actually like validate everything, all the scoring. The the oh, the two wheel drive challenge. Yeah, there was a two wheel drive challenge there for that one. That's right. That's one of the things he was also good at organizing, wasn't it? Just trying to uh, create these separate little challenges among competitors. You know, where people would donate some stuff. Was it like last to finish would get you know something? 
dead last but finished, I think, awards all the way up to, you know, a winner getting a, a little bit of cash or somebody getting some beer or something, right? Yeah. He was, a, he was always organizing fun things. Yeah. I remember bringing, bringing a pack of beer and a bunch of other people brought a bunch of other stuff. And I remember him and Kevin Schmidt had, like, some dollar bet going on for their RX-7s, whoever, like, beat the other person, won a dollar or something. So, you know, obviously, you're getting into the competition. You're seeing what the uh, open two-wheel drive crowd is like. You know, obviously, you end up increasing your pace. You start figuring things out. You two are getting faster. Now you're, like, right there with Al competing. What was that like? Oh, that was fun because it was, like, we, we start off and it's, like, okay, we only really know Al. So he's the guy like we really look up to and it's like, okay, we're trying to judge our times versus him. And it's like, Oh, we're, we're getting faster. We're starting to catch up. We're getting faster, starting to catch up. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, we're hanging with him and beating him on some stages. And then he's beating us. And then it just became a really fun rivalry between us. You know, we would, we'd shit talk every now and then and just kind of egg each other on and, just try to push each other to go faster and faster. It was a lot of fun. What's your favorite memory of being around Al? Um, I was making a bunch of notes because there is a bunch of things here. I think camping at Show Me was probably my favorite. Yeah, camping at Show Me was a lot of fun. Um, that would have been last year's Show Me, 2022. No, sorry, 2021 Show Me. We ended up DNFing because we blew a head gasket. So Friday night, we walked over to his trailer and congratulated him on winning the championship because it, it came down to that very last race between us for the Open Tool Drive Regional. And we broke. We went over, congratulated him. We just hung out, drank beers all night. And then the night after that, we did the same thing, but at a campfire, had a bunch of people around, a bunch of rally family. Then there was some random guy on a golf cart that drove up and told people to hop on and went rallying out in the woods. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, yeah. Al jumped on and took off with them. I was uh, I was too chicken shit to jump on the back of there, but my, I think my wife jumped yeah. on. She was second opportunity. <laughs> I jumped on. It was it was a little dicey. <laughs> I don't know what was worse, being on a golf cart or in a rally car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had Shanti on last night, and uh, he was uh, telling us stories about that uh, very precarious ride. (laughs) I would say if if some random person offers you a golf ride at a campground, take it. (laughs) Uh, Very much. Uh, And what's funny is that he was like the first one to jump on. It's like, no, I got to see what this is about. Yeah. I was just like, "Uh, I don't know how much this guy's had a drink or anything. And yeah, they just jumped on and went and had fun. I guess he was just whipping that thing around, getting really close to trees. Yeah, it was definitely one of those keep your arms and legs inside the tram type moment. Because, yeah, we were a couple inches from trees. I think we were on two wheels. Still have no idea where we went. (laughs) There was a bridge we almost missed. I don't know. One of my life regrets is not getting on that golf cart now. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully those guys show up again at, uh, at a future one. I don't know. Sounds like fun. Yeah, they weren't there this year, unfortunately. Do you have any favorite uh, Al mannerisms or, or quotes? Well, the last last thing he uh, ever sent to me in a video message at LSPR. Um, so, so this year at LSPR, we did um, we wrecked Wildcat 
and Trouble. Yes, the two new stages. Yep. Immediately after that, I sent him in our little group message, like, just like, these stages suck. And he just sends back immediately a message, a video message, just saying, like, it's all good, boo-boo. It's all good. Just take it slow, nice and easy. It's all good, boo-boo. He pans over to Keegan. Keegan's just sitting over there laughing. I mean, he's basically calling me a bitch <laughs> in, in a nice owl way, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, stop being a little bitch. I uh, I had that printed out on vinyl, and now it's sitting on the top of our, our wing on the rally car. It's okay, boo-boo? Yeah, the whole quote. Is that what it says? The whole quote. The whole quote? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is just always that, you know boisterous enthusiasm for everything he, he find a positive spin uh, on just about everything all the time and, and that was definitely a special thing about him what was it that uh i guess spending as much time as you did especially being in, in the general region you know and competing with him and whatnot that uh I, I guess did he influence you and in how you competed yeah i mean we always wanted to you know catch up and compete with al so he pushed me to like you know want to be a better and faster driver without actually like being reckless because you know he always finished rallies so it's like we just have to finish keep the car on the road and just try to beat Al and then um he got that LS engine like I got super jealous of the power that he had with that so he made me get hungry for more power as well like I'm just I remember being at like Southern Ohio Forest Rally, and we had some, like, really steep hill climbs. I'm, like, putzing up them as fast as I can go and just thinking, like, man, Al's going to murder us on the stage with that LS. Uh, it says the guy in an M3. Yeah, well, I mean, his <laughs> LS has got, like, 300-something foot-pounds of torque. And the weight to go with it, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of still lighter than ours. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah ours... I guess that's that, that Beamer uh, weight tax. You just, uh, it's not a small car. Our BMW is a little fat pig. <laughs> I guess one thing that, that I'm trying to get to people that listen to this for the first time, um, because really it's just want to, again, just kind of remember the man. Somebody's going to be listening to this and they're going to be like, why, why are they make such a big deal about this Al Dante's guy? You know, I never knew him. Mm-hmm. Why was he important? What, what do you think they should know? He was just like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And he, he was just welcome you with open arms and listen to you and talk to you, tell you about his kids. Like, you just open up to you, and you could open up to him. Yeah, I said to somebody today, like, meeting him the first time, even within, like, the first couple minutes, like, he felt like a best friend. Like, just super easy to talk to, just there, always, like, everybody says, always positive. Like, I hardly saw him without a smile on his face. Even with as many, like, adversities he faced in a rally. (laughs) He had that uber magic. Yeah, he would just always just keep pushing forward with a smile. He would. Um, some crazy fixes I heard that he did uh, with his car to keep it going, too. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about all these crazy fixes. It, it was weird because, like, every rally we're just, like, we're trying to keep it clean. And then we talk, go and talk to Al, see how it's going. He's like, oh, this broke and this broke. Are we having this issue or this issue? But... Well, you know, they're still competing. You know, they're still beating us in stage times and whatnot. Like, wait, what? Like, you've got no oil pressure and you're still, like, putting down better stage times than us? (laughs) (laughs) Your shifter cable broke and you did what to fix it and you're still beating us? Just crazy, you, you per magic. 
Indeed. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of putting it, uh, Crazy Uper Magic. Got anything else, uh, you know, specific you'd like people to remember from your time in being around Al? I wrote, I wrote a bunch of stuff down. I just started going down the list. Um, so, like, 2019, LSPR, we didn't really know anybody. It was the after party, and we kind of just, we were like, oh, there's Al. We just kind of, like, hung to his side like a little kid because we didn't know anybody. He's like, yep, we're just hanging around this guy and walking around. And it was a great way to meet other people because he knew everybody, and he would introduce you to them. So, so that was fun. Heather reminded me earlier today at the uh, 2020 100 Acre sh- slash Show Me Rally. Um, I wasn't there for this conversation, so I'll let her tell the story. Oh, um, at finish, like it was between like the last few stages as to who would want, who would win, or come in. I don't remember. We were we were beating Al. He was beating us. We were beating Al. And like at the finish. Like, he comes up to me, and he's like, you want to know what my stage times were, were, don't you? And I was like, you know, yeah. And he's like, you guys got it. You beat me. <laughs> that's awesome. But, yeah, that's the thing. is like He's super, he was always super excited just to, to share the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. A funny story, uh, 2020 Ojibwe, uh, we got to camp with Al. That was when he got his enclosed trailer. We were camping right next to him. I walk over there to see how things are going, and he's trying to blow up an air mattress to sleep on, and he just starts cracking up because he's blowing up his kid's kiddie pool that he thought was an air mattress. <laughs> like, little pink. Like this little, yeah, this little pink kid's kiddie pool that he was planning on sleeping on. Oops. <laughs> Grab the wrong one. Oops. <laughs> yeah. He snuggled up in there, though. Yeah, he, he he enjoyed it. It's the same rally that he had that freak accident where he uh, jelly-rolled his skid plate on the very last stage. That's right. That's, that's like the only time we ever like really saw him kind of down and out. Yeah. Yeah, and and true L fashion, like, he's like, I just need a minute. He walks away a couple minutes back later, laughing and smiling. Yep. Yeah, we were the the car right behind Al on stage and we rolled up to him and saw him stopped in the middle of the road and just like, uh-oh. I tried to slow down and he's just waving us on. Go! Keep going! Like, alright. But then, uh, yeah, we all got to laugh about it later after he got pulled in and showed us all his skid plate. And, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting one. <laughs> um, oh, there's a zucchini bread incident. <laughs> I made a bunch of zucchini bread. Him and a couple people ate it during recce. Apparently the next day he had the shits. (laughs) (laughs) It was not the zucchini bread. (laughs) So he had to run out into the woods. He he also admitted to me that he had a gas station burrito. But they wanted to blame the the zucchini bread. So now he then he stopped like accepting things from his competitors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there there used to be a running joke after that, like uh, about me always bringing zucchini bread, and they're just like, nope, no zucchini bread. The twenty twenty one hundred acre woods. He got second regional and third national. He beat us by nine. Oh, third overall. Oh, third. Oh, sorry. 
third overall regional. He beat us by nine seconds. Um, there was zero podium, so he decided to get all of the cars together in front of the the ARA banners and had a, we had our own little two-wheel drive podiums and uh, then a uh, overall podium, a regional overall podium. Like, you're not going to do it for me? I'll do it. I like it. Yeah, I think that was like one of the weird COVID years where there was like really no real podiums. Yeah. So it was just like, screw it, we're doing our own. He professed his love to us about his bidet. Very odd conversation. No idea how it started. <laughs> well, maybe it was when he saw you, he had memories of the zucchini incident. Yeah, maybe. maybe and then that brought on, well, they, you know, in case you're parched down there. <laughs> it was, it was I got a Ojibwe. bidet now. Yeah, it was at Ojibwe with the same same place that the zucchini bread incident happened. So maybe... <laughs> I don't know some, something about the Upers and these uh, these new bidets. They they seem to really love them. I don't know why. I guess I need to get me one. You want one? I do want one. <laughs> I, I've been tempted. I know some people that have them, and uh, obviously the, the heated ones, yeah. <laughs> preferably. Um, so need to get wired for an outlet next to next to the John there to uh, to make sure that one can uh, work properly. But <laughs> some of them, um, you line into your sink. Hot water. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, I think him and Adam Van Dam should be uh, salespeople for those things. <laughs> oh, there's one more thing. Um, so 20, 2020 Sofer, that was the night event. Yes. He won He won a national entry, a free national entry, the, the year prior. So he entered national. We're entered regional. And then... At the last minute, for whatever reason, he decided to enter regional. He kicked our ass, took first, but he was kind of bummed because he would have made podium on national. Right. And then we were giving him shit because if he wanted to switch, we would have got first. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been our first first. And then he went around and he went and switched on us. It was just always a fun back and forth like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, I I keep hearing is, you know, he's such a great, you know, we talk about Rally family all the time. Um, you talked about, you know, being around the, the campfire with him and all that stuff and, you know, how he just brings people into the sport. You know, you, you feel like you knew him for years, even though you'd known him for an hour. Yeah. It's just, I think he epitomized that Rally family, you know, aspect of just just welcoming you in with open arms and uh, whatever you needed. Um, you had questions on how rallies run. I mean, you guys were very new to the sport. I'm guessing he would have been available to you guys to understand the ins and outs. Um, he knew the rule book really well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. We I'd ask him questions every now and then and um, ask him about, you know, recce stuff and just random other rally questions, and he always had an answer. Yeah. He was a, a great resource. And I guess that's one of the things I guess we, we do love about him is that uh, he was there to help everybody, you know, whether he was winning or not, you know, he was definitely a strong competitor. He won many things, um, but at the same time, he, he didn't care as long as he was out there with his friends. And that's why he always just wanted to, he didn't want a DNF because he just wanted to be out there doing it. Right. Even if he had to use bubble gum to hold things together, mm-hmm. he'd find a way yep. uh, to keep going and uh, just share the experience with as many as possible. I mean, you look at, you know, he's had 
several different co-drivers over the years because he wanted them to be part of the sport as well. He's had, obviously, you know, really good relationships with everybody they competed with. You know, you get some people, they just get so competitive that they don't want to talk to their rivals, right? They just kind of get in this headspace where, like, oh, head down, got to, you know, do everything I can to, to try and win. Yeah. But Al was, like, the exact opposite of that, wasn't he? He was He was still competitive. He was still trying to win. But you wouldn't realize how competitive he was just talking to him. He'd just be so open and just having fun mm-hmm. until maybe the go light, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he found time to do all the selfies and on-stage videos and stuff. You know, we're we're trying to figure out timing card things and air up tire pressure or air down the tires. And he's out there like, oh, look at these guys over here. <laughs> He's walking down, like talk, interviewing people, look, looking at the cars. It's like, oh, I guess it's my time to go back up now. <laughs> Always about sharing the experience, bringing more people in, uh, bringing more, I guess, you know, especially with social media. He was so good at, yeah, drawing in new fans. You know, you said that when you were getting ready to start, you know, being a part of this rally thing, you joined the North American Rally Group uh, on Facebook first. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you... Initially, like you said, you, you found Al, mm-hmm. and I, he did so much on there to share, especially like the regional guys that didn't get for a while there a lot of coverage, and made sure that yeah, he did so many pictures and stuff. He was walking around and 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 just looking at everybody else that was competing, even though he's still competing himself. Yep. But you know, you think he was a media guy, yeah, and uh, yet still found time to make sure everybody got their little bit of moment in the sun. Um, and got some attention. Yep, got time to jerry-rig his car and do uh, interviews on stage and selfies on stage. <laughs> Fun stuff. All at the same time. I don't know how he juggled it all. It was a special kind of person that could do all that. Yeah. You know, even though I'm a media guy, I suck at social media. There was a time it was easier, then it got super complicated with all the algorithm stuff, and I just kind of, nope. <laughs> My effort just kind of went down. He, nope, he still made, made it, where where he could be uh, very popular with it and still kept it going. Mm-hmm. And like I said, special talent with all that stuff. Yeah, I guess uh, any final things you'd want people to know about Al Dante's Jr.? Uh, he's going to be missed. I mean, everybody everybody that knew him is definitely going to miss him. And Rally, I mean, honestly, like, Rally's just never going to be the same without him there. Always look forward to seeing him. Always look forward to competing with him. Always look forward to the after rally campfires and beers. Mm-hmm. We just have to try to kind of carry that tradition on and spread it to other people in the community. You know, welcome more people in and grow that and try to like share his spirit and what he was all about with others. I think that's spot on. I, I hope that. Uh... Hope that others do start carrying that torch, and you know, you guys and and all the others up there in the UP and and in that in that group that uh, got the grassroots folks all together and whatnot. So, well, thanks for taking time out of your day to talk with us and share a little bit about your experiences with Al Dante's Jr. Just like I said, a great man, sorely missed. Thank you, thank you for putting thank this you. on. Thanks for doing this for him. All right, take care. Thanks, you too. Bye. <laughs> 
And I'm going to go cross-training, and I'm going to do my damnedest to win this freaking championship against this other guy, Kevin, in an RX-7. I don't know who he thinks he is, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a throwdown in, in Namaji. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Uh, my heart goes out to everyone up there in the UP for LSBR, and I wish I could be up there to give you all a big Al bear hug. Uh, you're, you're all just so special to me. And I want to also send a huge thank you to Derek Johnson Love uh, for giving the extra feels in his sound editing for this episode. He made it just that extra bit more special. Um, yeah, he, he just brings that extra Rallycast podcast love. So thank you, Derek. This has been the Open Paddock Rallycast. And remember, it's okay, boo-boo. did some little youper tricks and a couple straps and a couple pieces of pickup trucks and uh, using the floor jack we were able to drag the car up on the trailer got all that squared away and i think we got back to my house at three in the morning and we had higgins's tires in tow so i had to find a tire guy at three in the morning to switch out the tires to give them their wheels back because <laughs> that was part of the deal and i wasn't going to mm-hmm. break a deal with mr buffum um, so we got those switched out and was real nice. My wife, uh, Jamie, she had cooked dinner for everybody at three in the morning. So we had a nice smorgasbord of dinner in the garage. And we got here and Adam Van Dam had already pulled the transmission out of his car. And his spare transmission was two and a half hours away. So he drove all the way home, <laughs> got his transmission out of the rabbit barn and 